No, no, seriously. I actually want to eat a tomato. I love tomatoes. Where did you get that tomato? What a tomato. Dude, it's a fine, beautiful tomato. I want to eat one, too. I want one right now. I like to eat them like an apple with salt. Tell me, where'd you get the tomato? What a tomato. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a Tomato Produce Company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs, 2055 Jared Avenue. Hope your legs are looking sexy, because we're going to charm your pants off. Come to the Charm Offensive Comedy Show at Punchline San Francisco. It's a night of great jokes, magnetic personalities, featuring the Bay Area's most awarded comedians, plus national headliners. You'll laugh. You'll swoon. And when you regain your composure, you'll swipe right. Tuesday, March 7th. Doors at 7, show at 7.30 at 444 Battery Street in San Francisco's Financial District. Brought to you by Paco Romaine and Destiny's Moms Comedy. Our last show sold out, so get your tickets now at punchlinecomedyclub.com. Charm Offensive at Punchline Comedy San Francisco. Tuesday, March 7th. See you there, sexy. What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips, and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great, because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. It's not business. It's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com The way to the next whiskey bar Oh, don't ask why Oh, don't ask why For we must find the next whiskey bar For if we don't find the next whiskey bar I tell you we must die I tell you we must die I tell you I tell you, I tell you, we must die. Good morning, mutineers. This is the bee. And this is labor and love. I'm mixing in a little uh, Bertolt Brecht, La Relenia. Repenny up.
Okay, that was uh, Bertolt Brecht's song, The Moon of Alabama. Later on, sort of cleaned up and uh, stylized to uh, make a hit for uh, The Doors, Jim Morrison. This is The B, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio. It's a Saturday morning. We're uh, working the morning shift with you here. Labor news, commentary, and opinion. The news from your point of view. When I say labor, I mean you. Here's MIA.
Passing up the medicine, I'm on a pavement Thinking about the government The man in a trench coat, batch out laid off Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off Look out, kid, it's something you did God knows when, but you're doing it again You better duck down the alleyway Looking for a new friend A man in a coonskin cap in a pig pen Wants $11 bills, you only got 10 Okay, ladies and gentlemen, working people, friends of labor, this is the B, and the show is Labor and Love. Glad that you're uh, joining us now. You can also join us on Labor and Love Radio, or you can go to mutinyradio.fm where it says podcast. Click that on. Come down to the Labor and Love on the list to Labor and Love and click that on, and uh, there'll be a whole list of archives or any of the other great programs on Mutiny Radio. And there are quite a few. You have to understand, Mutiny Radio is an art center, a community art center, and we'll talk more about that later on. We started out with Bertolt Brecht's uh, Alabama song, drinking song, um, from the Three Penny Opera, sung by Lada Lenya, who was uh, Brecht's wife. Uh, then we had Paper Planes with M.I.A. Kala, all we want to do is take your money. Okay, all we want to do is take your money. No one on the corner's got swag like us. And then Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, which is kind of a throwback for this show. We used to play it every time uh, it came on, but... Uh, 
move on to other things. There's all kinds of music to look at and, and to consider. So it is the Labor and Love Show, and it, this is 2781 21st Street. You see, we have a uh, physical presence as well. And we do broadcast every Saturday morning between 10 and 12. So come on down to Mutiny Radio, get involved. Get involved especially in our Mutiny Comedy Festival. And that'll be from March 1st to 5th. More about that as well. What do we got today? We, well, we got a group called the Missing Cousins. The Woody Guthrie-Fred Trump Connection. We got Labor Radio. And we got Radio Labor. Paul Robeson, sort of a retrospective, a look back at this giant of a man. We've got labor notes, news about the, the day without immigrants, and several stories there from the contemporary labor movement. What do the building trades do, for example? If you're in the building trades, do you want the pipelines to be built? Huh? Yeah, you probably do. You probably have to. George Lakoff and his advice on how to frame the argument, the public argument, about Donald Trump and his policies. And a shameful day in American history, February 19th, 1942. What happened that day that forever shames America. So that and more, we got this day in labor history. But I do want to mention this song by a group is called Missing Cousins. I had the pleasure of seeing them last night at a, uh, a labor archives um, presentation, a speech by Fred Glass, who produces our labor history lessons that we take every week here about so let's see let's get up Missing Cousins is a group out of Oakland as I said and they recorded this song called I Ain't Got No Home Old Man Trump as you may or may not know Woody Guthrie in 1950 moved into a a housing project that was owned by Fred Trump, the father of the minority president. And this song was recorded by, like I said, Miss Yeah. 
Woody Guthrie singing about his uh, landlord, Fred Trump. And um, Trump was a real estate developer in uh, New York who somehow was able to get contracts from, uh, from agencies to build homes to build big uh, apartment houses and end up being the, the owner of them. And of course, uh, he had people of color kicked out and he's so he's not, you know, uh, just sort of muddling through here. That was his, his point. Fred Trump was uh, the one who loaned Donald um, one million dollars to get started. This is the quote-unquote self-made man, Donald Trump. Okay, as we mentioned, the internment of 110,000 innocent American citizens happened today or this week in 1942. Ten shameful facts about the Japanese. It's from listeners. President Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066-1942. His go-ahead allowed more than 100,000 Japanese Americans to be uprooted and relocated to isolated high-security internment camps. Concentration camps, okay? Let's just call it what it is. Pressure to sign came from military officials, politicians seeking favor, among the white American majority, a hysterical public, and even greedy farmers who are anxious to purge their competition. This is one of the scandals of this whole thing, how people's property was taken from them. Soon after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, FBI agents raided homes of the Issei, first-generation immigrants from Japan. American government also froze the assets of anyone connected to Japan. Of course, these actions violated people's rights to their property, invaded people's privacy, and resulted in the arrest of 1,212 innocent Issei. 
That's just the initial roundup. Irreplaceable family heirlooms were confiscated, never to be returned. Targets included first-generation immigrants and Japanese-American citizens, farmers, teachers, business owners, doctors, bankers, and various other productive members of society. They had to register and... Uh, Then they were eventually kicked out of their homes. They were taken to assembly centers that were built for animals, i.g., e.g., uh, racetracks. Tenfran racetrack. If you look closely <clears throat> at the uh, front of at the front entrance by Borders, uh, by uh, the bookstore there. Barnes and Noble. Uh, there's a small plaque that that remembers what this place was used for. What happens when white America feels threatened? When when their ownership feels threatened and their lives? These people were forced into into desert. Prisons, okay. So, the worst land that they could find, the land that no one wanted. Attempting escape, resisting orders, and treason were all punishable by death in internment camps. Guards would face little consequence for killing without just cause. A mentally ill man in his mid-40s, Ichiro Shimoda, was shot trying to escape in 1942. The guards were well aware of his mental illness. Two Californians were killed during an escape attempt from the Lordsburg, New Mexico camp. It was later revealed that Hirote Ishimura and Toshiro Kobata were both Extremely weak upon arrival, too weak to walk, much less escape. A handful of guards went to court for their wrongdoings, but with a handful of results. One guard was tried for the 1943 murder of an elderly chef named James Hatsuki Wakasa. He was found not guilty. Private Bernard Goh was also tried after killing Shoichi James Okamoto. Goy was acquitted and fined for unauthorized use of government property. The amount of his fine, one dollar. So that's, uh, that's the price of a Japanese life at that time, one dollar. 4,724 Japanese Americans were permanently relocated to Japan. Asking to leave the U.S. was a form of non-violent protest. Concentration camps, they were called that by then-President Roosevelt as he confidently endorsed them. 
Names enemy alien internment camps was also used to describe these centers. The modern wording stems from the fact that they weren't the vicious death camps experienced in Europe, which is how most people view concentration camps today. Internees enjoyed weddings, gardening, painting, sports clubs, and even newspapers. There were no gas chambers, and inmates were not doomed to genocide. Duh, it's a, uh, still it's a concentration camp. Okay. The people were in prison in deplorable conditions, stripped of their dignity. These were innocent people. There was never a proven case of sabotage against a Japanese-American person, Japanese person in California. Fred Korematsu challenged the legality of Executive Order 9066 in 1944. He lost in the Supreme Court by six to three. Internment was rationalized as a wartime necessity. Korematsu later won his case on a technicality that um, the government was aware that there was no danger from Japanese Americans, but um, did not forward that information during the first Korematsu trial. This is what happened. This is what happened this time. Um, this is what's happening to people who are not white or, who are, or whites who are not white nationalists. Okay, this is Kenji, Port Minor, about called Japanese internment. My father came from Japan in 1905. He was 15 when he immigrated from Japan. He, he, he worked until he was able to buy this, to actually build a store. Let me tell you a story in the form of a dream. I don't know why I have to tell it, but I know what it means. Close your eyes, just picture the scene as I paint it for you. It was World War II when this man named Kenji woke up. Ken was not a soldier. He was just a man with a family who owned a store in LA. That day, he crawled out of bed like he always did. Bacon and eggs with wife and kids. He lived on the second floor of a little store he ran. He moved to LA from Japan. They called him immigrant. In Japanese, he'd say he was called Issei. That meant first generation in the United States when everybody was afraid of the Germans, afraid of the Japs, but most of all, afraid of a homeland attack. And that morning, when Ken went out on the doormat, his world went black, cuz right there, Front page news, three weeks before 1942 Pearl Harbor's been bombed and the Japs are coming Pictures of soldiers dying and running Ken knew what it would lead to, just like he guessed The president said, the evil Japanese in a home country would be locked away They gave Ken a couple of days to get his whole life packed in two bags Just two bags, couldn't even pack his clothes Some folks didn't even have a suitcase to pack anything in So two trash bags is all he gave them And when the kids asked mom, where are we going? Nobody even knew what to say to them Ken didn't want to lie He said the U.S. is looking for spies So we have to live in a place called Mandanar Where a lot of Japanese people are Stop it, don't look at the gunmen You don't 
wanna get the soldiers wondering if you're gonna run or not Cause if you run then you might get shot Other than that try not to think about it Try not to worry about it being so crowded Cause someday we'll get out Someday, someday That's your name, war broke out So the FBI came and they just come to the house And you have to come All the Japanese have to go They took Mr. Lee And people couldn't understand why they had to take him Because he's just innocent labor So now they're in a town with soldiers surrounding them Every day, every night, look down at them From watchtowers up on the wall Ken couldn't really hate them at all They were just doing the job And he wasn't gonna make any problems He had a little garden Vegetables and fruits that he gave to the troops In a basket his wife made But in the back of his mind He wanted his family's life saved Prisoners of war in their own damn country What for? Time passed in the prison town He wondered if he'd live it down If and when they were free The only way out was joining the army And supposedly some men went out for the army Signed on and ended up flying to Japan with a bomb That 15 kiloton blast put an end to the war pretty fast Two cities were blown to bits The end of the war came quick and Ken got out big hopes of a normal life With his kids and his wife But then they got back to their home And they saw made him feel so alone These people had trashed every room Smashed in the windows and bashed in the doors Written on the walls and the floor Jap's not welcome anymore And Kenji dropped both of his bags to his sides And just stood outside He looked at his wife without words to say She looked back at him wiping tears away And said someday we'll be okay Someday Now the names have been changed but the story's true My family was locked up back in 42 My family was there where it was dark and damp And they called it an internment camp When we first got back from camp uh, It was pretty, pretty bad I, I remember my husband said Oh, we're gonna stay till last Then my husband died before they closed the camp There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate Oh, you see, war is not the answer for only love can conquer hate You know we've got to find a way To bring some love in here today Oh, picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Come on, talk to me so you can see
Come on, talk to me so you can see what's going on, what's going on, what's going on, oh, what's going on.
Negro's name is used, it is plain for the politician's game as he rises to fame and the poor white remains on the caboose of the train but it ain't him to blame he's only a pawn in their game the deputy sheriffs the soldiers the governors get paid And the cops get the same But the poor white man's used In the hands of them all like a tool He's taught in his school From the start by the rule That the laws are with him To protect his white skin To keep up his hate so we never is only a pawn in their game from the poverty shacks he looks from the cracks to the tracks and the hoofbeats pound in his brain he's taught how to walk in a pack shoot in the back with his fist in a clench to hang and to lynch to hide neath the hood to kill with no pain like a dog on a chain he ain't got no name but it ain't him to blame he's only a pawn in their game Dame Edgar Evers was buried from the bullet he caught They lowered him down as a king But when the shadowy sun sets on the one that fired the gun He'll see by his grave on the stone that remains Carved next to his name, his epitaph plain. Only a pawn in their game. We had uh, the last one we had was <clears throat> Bob Dylan's um, A Pawn in Their Game, which it looks like the pawns are about to be sacrificed. Uh, Minority Donald told everybody that he was going to look out for them, told working people, especially white working people, that he was going to look out for them, that he was going to stop the flow of jobs out of the country. Well, if you listened last week, you heard what a hollow promise that has turned out to be. He's taken credit for jobs that were already going to stay here. 
When one factory moved out all but 200 workers, Trump took credit for keeping them here, but the company was going to leave them here anyway. He made a lot of noise about getting Ford <clears throat> to make cars back in the United States. Well, did people believe that? Ford is going right ahead with its plans. Three and a half, 3,500 jobs. So what we have is, is a Minority Donald basically using these people to get elected and now abandoning them, abandoning them to right to work, abandoning them to... Uh, losing their health care or paying way more for it, abandoning them to, I guess, what we call market forces, huh? These jobs that he's keeping here, are these good middle-class jobs where you can make some money and get ahead? Are they unionized jobs where workers have exerted some control over their workplace? I would bet not. Let's listen now to some labor news. This is Win Week in Review. Doug Cunningham. Workers Independent News, Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. Thousands of people rallied on President's Day Monday in at least 25 U.S. cities for Not My President Trump resistance protests. From New York City to Los Angeles and many points in between, protesters reminded Trump that the vast majority of Americans did not vote for him. Donald Trump is not my president because I would never have a president that would work to do away with Medicare. I would never have a president that would work to corporatize and privatize Social Security. This is the start of a long march to D.C. and the midterms. This is not the end. This is the beginning. This is not the only rally. This is not the only group. This is not the only time we're going to gather together. The American Federation of Teachers is joining Global Teachers Union Federation Education International in urging the U.N. to get involved in the 2014 case of 43 disappeared Mexican education students. Local police working for Mexican drug gangs kidnapped 43 students and all are believed dead. Texas AFT President Louis Malfaro tells Canada's Radio Labor. We've filed this with the U.N. Rights Council and we're asking them to put pressure on Mexico to continue to investigate what happened there. Unions and civil society organizations represent an important front line in making sure we hold government accountable. This is something that our, our trade union movement has to speak out against. On Tuesday, bank workers in the U.S. began a struggle for unionization. 15,000 bank workers at Spain-based Santander Bank are declaring their intentions to form a union. The Committee for Better Banks and the Communications Workers of America are involved in organizing efforts to help U.S. Santander bank workers organize a union. While many bank workers present a professional image, they're really dealing with low wages and facing other worker issues. Some of Tuesday's planned actions included delivering pro-union petitions in Dallas and in Boston, along with letters demanding Santander executives respect their right to form a union. RNs and staff at Delaware County Memorial Hospital have planned a two-day unfair labor practices strike March 5th. 
5th and 6th. Their nonprofit hospital was bought by Prospect Medical Holdings, a subsidiary of the multi-billion dollar hedge fund Leonard Green and Partners. The nurses are trying to bargain their first labor contract as members of PASNAP, the Pennsylvania Association of Staff Nurses and Allied Employees. Angela Napolitano, president of the PASNAP local at the hospital, says staffing and patient care are big issues. They have not wanted to face the staffing issue, which is a crisis for us at our hospital because they've decreased the amount of staff. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, that was Workers Diversified News showing how the battles are, the battles to come are shaping up. What's labor going to do? What do you do if you're a building trades worker? We'll get to that in a minute. I want to read an article now from the SF Gate, or part of an article, by a man named Raymond Hogler, who's a professor at Colorado State. And his article is called Why the Secretary of Labor Matters. Andrew Puzder's brief foray into government ended last week when he withdrew his nomination as Donald Trump's Secretary of Labor. Just a day later, the administration named its new nominee for the job, Alexander Acosta, dean of the law school at Florida International University. Put simply, Acosta is a qualified nominee for the position Puzder was anything but. Why Puzder was ever put forward for an office dedicated to the well-being of American workers and the agency most responsible for the interests of the white interests of the white middle-aged voters making up Trump's electoral base requires some explanation. Trump's particular approach to governance became apparent during his first weeks in office as he populated his cabinet with Wall Street financiers such as Stephen Munchen of Treasury and big campaign donors like Betsy DeVos for education. Charges against Puzder range from allegations of spousal abuse, publicized by Oprah Winfrey in 1990, but recently withdrawn, alleged violations of federal wage and hour laws, the employment of an undocumented worker in his own household, and an advertising agency built on soft care food porn. Costa, in contrast, served in as attorney in the Justice Department and has extensive experience in labor relations, including as a member of the National Labor Relations Board. There have been many distinguished invi- individuals who've led the Labor Department and advocated on behalf of workers. This important position deserves a leader of competence and commitment. article. President Wilson appointed William B. Wilson as the first head of the National Labor Relations Board 
or the Department of Labor, pardon me, in 1913. Wilson had had positions at the National Progressive Union and the United Mine Workers of America. As an impartial representative, Wilson played an important role in the federal response to the infamous strike at a Colorado fuel and iron company owned by John D. Rockefeller, an event later to be known as the Ludlow Massacre. The Colorado National Guard overran and buried and burned an encampment of miners, leading to the prompted national outrage and was immortalized in song by Woody Guthrie. After pressure from the government, Rockefeller created internal employee representation plans that became persuasive in American labor relations. These so-called company unions gave employees a new voice, but not much actual power in labor negotiations. Anyway, go ahead and read. Read the article. Andy Puzder was a little too weird. The choice of uh, Andy Puzder was just even a little too weird for uh, all of the uh, neocons, alt alt-rights, you know, old-line conservatives, whatever. Okay, let's listen to Radio Labor now. Radio Labor is a world report on labor conditions all over the world. And it's put out by the Radio Labor Collective. Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, February 24th, 2017. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, a major breakthrough in negotiations for garment union leaders fired in Bangladesh. And how unions in Texas are fighting attacks on automatic payroll deduction arrangements. This is Radio Labor. There has been a major breakthrough in efforts to halt the attack on garment worker unions in Bangladesh. The government has been trying to clamp down on unions in the garment sector even harder because of a strike by thousands of workers in December. The workers were demanding an increase in the minimum wage to a living wage, something they and their families could live on. The negotiations with the Bangladeshi government were conducted by the global unions Uni and Industrial. Industrial represents some 50 million workers employed in a wide range of sectors, from mining to manufacturing to garment production. I talked to Walter Sanchez, the General Secretary of Industrial, about the negotiations with the Bangladeshi government. I asked him what happened. It's a very happy day for, for all the union movement globally because, you know, we finally got the release of all the 35 unionists and workers that were jailed since December, and some of them were jailed in, in, in January. Basically, the agreement that we reached with the Labor Ministry and the Employers Association is that on the top of all the workers being released, we will strive for all the, the charges against hundreds of workers 
to be dropped and uh, the unions will be reopened. They were closed because of, of the crackdown of, of the police and they would drop the charges against the tax investigations that they were doing to put pressure on the unions. So this is a very, very important breakthrough that comes after a long, uh, very strong uh, international solidarity campaign carried out by hundreds of thousands of workers, including Labor Start campaign, including actions in embassies, actions in the social media, and also pressure uh, on the, the brands with which we have global framework agreements. In the reports coming out of the country while the Bangladeshi government was cracking down on unions in the garment sector, there were reports that unionists had fled their workplaces to hide in the countryside because they feared charges were being brought against them. Does this agreement that you've just negotiated with the government mean that the charges against the union activists will be dropped? Yeah, that's the, the compromise that was, was established. Of course, the, the charges were, were placed by different actors, that means some companies, some local authorities, the police itself. So the compromise from the, from the government and from the employers' association is to go down and ask all the, the parties that put up charges to drop them. So um, that means that we expect that in, the, in the, the coming days all the charges will be dropped. So we'll be monitoring so that all the charges are dropped, finally. Give us some background on this situation. Why has the government been conducting this most recent crackdown on unions in Bangladesh? The thing is that in, in December, uh, there was a, a very important strike to improve the wages and, and uh, working conditions. And the reaction of the employers and the government was very strong, very brutal against the workers. There were about 1,500 workers fired, and then the incarceration of 35 union leaders and also the persecution of unions, closed down the unions, cracked down on, on ILO activities. So a series of, of repression uh, took place right after that. And we fear that it's the intention of the government to prove the world that Bangladesh has to remain a low-wage country in, in which workers work the, uh, up to 60 hours a week to receive about $60 a month. So uh, I think their intention of the government was to avoid workers to have working conditions improved. So in, that, in, in this sense, the, the actions of the workers were even more important. And the reaction that all the union movement globally and the international solidarity took place, it was even very more, much important and symbolic to keep the fight for a living wage. In the United States, there are increasing efforts to privatize the nation's schools. Just recently, the efforts have been amplified by President Donald Trump's appointment of Federal Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, who has been attacking the public school system and pushing programs such as school vouchers and charter schools. The voucher programs are heralded by the right wing as a way of enabling the free market in education, as parents can use 
use voucher money to spend on profit-making private charter schools. Standing in the way of this strategy are the nation's teachers and their unions. One of the battlegrounds in the privatization fight is in Texas, where right-wing Tea Party legislators are planning to defund teacher unions by canceling automatic payroll dues checkoffs. I talked to Louis Malfero about the situation in Texas. Mr. Malfero is the president of the Texan branch of the American Federation of Teachers, the AFT. A note, in the United States, blue signifies progressive, red means right-wing. Mr. Malfero. Texas, despite its reputation as being a red state and being highly conservative, is actually, when you look at state government, you know, there are really three political parties. There are the Democrats, there are the Republicans, and then there are the crazies. And for a long time, the Democrats and the Republicans have sort of had a, you know, an understanding that, you know, Texas would be a lower tax state, a lower regulation state. But in other areas, like in public education, Texas has made investments in both K-12 and higher education and has stayed away from the privatization of public schools. There are no private school voucher programs. We've successfully, through a, a coalition of both moderate Republicans and Democrats, been able to block that kind of stuff. Well, we have a Tea Party lieutenant governor now and a Tea Party Senate that wants to ram through a radical agenda that includes massive privatization of public education. And it's unpopular publicly and it's unpopular with members of the Texas House. And leading the charge against privatization has always been the teachers' union. And so uh, last session, you know, this bill percolated up that would have taken away public school educators' rights to pay their union dues through payroll deduction. And it, it came late in the session, and, you know, we were able to, you know, through a massive mobilization of members, but also through relationships built with moderate members of both political parties, we were able to defeat it. This year, it's coming as a, as a vanguard premier issue of the Tea Party lieutenant governor. And in private meetings, where we've uh, had not only our representatives, but police and fire unions, who interestingly are exempted from the, the bill, uh, they would continue to be able to pay their dues as they do now through you know, payroll deduction. What we've been told is, well, we took the police and the firefighters out because we don't have any beef with them. But we have a beef with you teachers. You keep blocking our efforts to privatize public education. And so there's a real, you know, there's, there's, there's a nexus here between what they're trying to do, which is shut us up politically, because they, you know, they've been unsuccessful at moving one of their primary agendas, which is the mass privatization of the public school system in this state. Now, the other thing that happened is that this sort of became a litmus test for the far right wing of the Republican Party. And they attempted to defeat a number of more moderate Republicans last year in the Republican primary. And in many cases, teachers and prison guards and police officers and firefighters and other public workers came to the defense of more moderate Republicans and helped them either hold seats or gain seats. So their coalition remains strong in the Texas House. And we're counting on that as bulwark against this law passing.
And that's it. International Labor News you can use. Radio Labor's newscasts are available on its website, iTunes, mobile phones, union websites, and community radio stations. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Polanchik. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. That was Radio Labor and uh, a privatization battle goes on. This is where the battle line is drawn all over the world in so many of our struggles. This, this drive to privatize the election of Trump itself can be seen as a move to privatize the government, which is what he's doing. He's calling in business people, very rich business people, who are going to make it easier to make money off government services. In some cases, take them over. The uh, charter school movement is only one one, uh, example of that. There are different charter schools. There are charter schools that are run by communities of people because they don't like the way they're treated by the school boards where they are, the school district. Or they have a unique vision for kids that public schools just won't uh, really commit to. And I'm talking about a movement for a more student-centered curricula, uh, student empowerment, teaching history uh, in a critical way, teaching um, critical thinking. In other words, we're not brainwashing kids. We want them to think for themselves, and we are confident that if they do, they will see the sense in what we're saying to them about uh, working people, uh, organizing. Labor Notes has an article this week by Lynn Schindel and Kevin Norton, which I wanted to highlight. Building trades activists argue for a different approach to Trump. Surrounded by key union leaders, Trump was relaxed and smooth. He thanked the sheet metals workers for their work on his hotel down the street even as an electrical contractor was suing his company after allegedly getting stiffed on the job. National leaders of the building trades met with Trump on January 25th, minority gone, and he preys on him. Two readers sent in their thoughts. One is a local businessman. Okay, so these guys are 
Union leaders clapped when Trump announced he was trashing the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Many people agree that that was a positive action uh, against globalization, against um, further integrating the world economy into uh, the United States economy. He assured them they would be building new Ford plants and pharmaceutical manufacturing facilities for companies like Johnson & Johnson. The union leaders said they also asked Trump to move ahead despite widespread protests on the Keystone XL pipeline and the Dakota Access pipeline. Here's where the rubber meets the road. These guys are going along with Trump they asked him whether the new administration would continue provisions of the Davis-Bacon Act, protecting wages for construction workers on federal projects, making them pay prevailing wages. Trump said he knew a lot about Davis-Bacon, but made no comment. Damn right he didn't. Carpenters President Doug and Karen gushed over Trump's inaugural address, calling it a great moment for working men and women in the United States. Afterwards, a union press release quote, in politics there are people of words and people of deeds. North America's building trades union are grateful that President Trump is a man who puts actions behind his words. Trump brilliantly exploited the Democratic Party's support for neoliberal trade policies like NAFTA. He drove the stake in deep. And since the election, he has hired Robert Lighthizer, who previously worked with AFL-CIO economists to strengthen the Obama administration's trade negotiations. Rumor has it that Labor's Union President Terry O'Sullivan, who was also in the White House meeting, was even worried about members wearing their orange Union t-shirts on the Women's March in Washington. So here's, here's the labor movement messing up again. When, while McGarvey claiming to speak for all the trades kowtows to a president who launched his political career attacking the legitimacy of the nation's first black president and stereotyping Hispanics as rapists and murderers, he undermines the work and morale of dedicated activists and potential members who represent the future of the U.S. labor movement. Thirteen years ago, after 30 years as a steelworkers activist and local union leader, I went to work for the IBEW. I marveled at how strongly members identified with their trade and the union. While I had deep differences with the IBEW on fossil fuel policy, I took heart in the work of local unions that promoted jobs and training with renewable energy. 
We need a critical assessment of the building trade's message and strategy toward a new administration, but they will require a struggle by other courageous leaders and activists in the trade. Sometimes internal polarization is necessary for a movement to win. Here we go again, the uh, question of the 21st century for working people. Um, what do you do? What do you do if you uh, have the choice? You have a job offer, but the job is to wreck the earth, to build a pipeline that will pollute a river. What do you do? Shop, you may know how to cut hair. 
It may be somebody's mistress, maybe somebody's heir, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody.
Main Street, Roots Tonic with the dress. A beef patty and some cocoa bread. Moves the patch from my leaves to the tongue of my shoes. Remember, Freeland Heisen used to have the bomb leather. Back when Doug Fresh and Slick Rick was together. Looking at the crew, we thought we'd all live forever. Chancellor had been moving records was on Central Ave. I was there at dancing school, South Horn Javit Ball and Pool, unaware of what we didn't have. Writing my friends' names on my jeans with a marker, July 4th races outside Parker, fireworks in Martin Stadium. The untouchable PSP, all the crazy niggas, me. Coffee got a way through Irving Tongue. Lock it up, Hillside brings beef with the cops. Self destruction record drops. And everybody's name was Muscle. Sensations in 88 attracted kids from Mile State. And everybody used to do the wop. Jack, Jack, Jack your body. Not a bit mark, used to amp up the party. I wish those days they didn't stop. Every ghetto, every city, and suburban place I've been. Maybe all our days in every city. You know it's high. Don't called The Last Poets, big influence on Gil Scott Heron. The White Man's Got a God Complex. Minority Don has a white 
has a, a white man and he's got a God complex. He sure does. Cleaning in a broke dick dog, sitting in a big fine hog, dressed very fine in a mohair silk fine. But Jim Dale died next cause the white man's got a God complex. Hey, brother, what's your sport, my man? I got just the thing for you. Only cost ten and two. What you gonna do, baby? I got black ones, brown ones, red ones, yellow ones. I even got a white one if you wanna buy some. Yeah, that's right. 258, play it straight. I got it all worked out. Know what I'm talking about. Been reading my dream book. Ain't no way in the world a kid gonna get took. Nigga, what you mean? I didn't hit nigga. You full of shit. Lick dies. Uh, now seven. Well, what do you know? It's Little Joe. Hey, my man got $20. Say, Little Joe don't blow. Ha, baby needs a pair of shoes. Ha, Papa's got the funky blues. Ha, Mama plays the crossword in the news. Snake eyes. Sorry, nigga, you lose. The line forms to the real lady. And I don't care if you never cash your welfare checks. Cause the white man's got a God complex. But I got ten babies, I ain't got no man I ain't got no choice but to hold out my hand And feed my young ones the best way I can Hey man, what you mean no doubles on blackjack? Pump, you better change that rule Cause I ain't no fool You better be cool Jim or you'll die next Cause the white man's got a God complex Hey my man, uh, I wanna cop a nickel bag uh, You say all oh, you got is scag Wow, that's a drag Cause uh, I don't wanna cop no dope is death Next cause the white man's got a God complex Hey, baby, what's the gig at tonight? Well, there's one over at Slicks for faggots and tricks. There's one around graveyard side of town that'll cost you a pound. But if you go and know what I know, you better pack your piece at least, or you'll die next. Cause the white man's got a God complex. Mr. Stein, I done paid enough rent for this pad to be mine. But you just want to cheat me because I ain't your kind. Damn, can't you see the place is falling down? No, you can't dig it because you ain't never around. Damn, I'm so poor, I don't know what in the hell I'm going to do anymore. Not from this day to the next. Cause the white man's got a God complex. I'm making guns. I'm God. I'm God. I'm making bombs. I'm God. I'm, God. I'm making gas. I'm God. I'm making freak machines. I'm God. Life control pills. I'm God. Kill Indians who discovered him. I'm God. Kill Japanese with a bomb. I'm God. Kill the still killing black people. I'm God. Enslaving Earth. I'm God. No way to the moon. I'm God. 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 Okay, we heard the white man's got a God complex. And um, we certainly do have a president who's got it, who's the model of that complex. Look it up in the dictionary and there's a picture of him, you know, the God complex. The man who make everything okay. In the words of linguist George Lakoff, a strict father. Now, George Lakoff is a professor at UC Berkeley in linguistics, I believe. I'm not sure. But he's done a lot of research on framing, on how we, what frames we bring to conversations and how 
the conservative movement in particular has used that fact to make the good appear bad and the bad appear good. For example, unions, of course. Um, as Lakoff points out, unions are instruments of human freedom. But the way they're framed, they take away your freedom. The right to work movement has made it an important fact whether or not you, you choose to join a union. And they say that it takes away your freedom to decide. But your union is your only way to express your freedom and your humanity as a worker. The things you need and the things you're responsible for. Anyway, another one might be taxation. Conservatives are always talking about how taxes are too high. Well, that's the price for living in a society. Not to pay taxes or to try to avoid taxes is unpatriotic. You're not, you're not helping, you're not doing your part and all the things for all the things you take advantage of. Anyway, this is George Lakoff, and he's got a short list for democracy activists, okay? Um, I want to read those to you. Looks like I got the wrong one. Just let's hang out. <laughs> I've got it now. These are uh, 10 points that George Lakoff says you need to use in our struggle against uh, this con man, these con people. First of all, read A Minority President. That's at georgelakoff.com. A Minority President, Why the Polls Failed and What the Majority Can Do. Number two, know the difference between framing and propaganda. Frames are mental structures used in thought. Frames are unavoidable and neutral. Propaganda expresses lies that propagandists know are lies for the sake of political or social advantage. Hold Republicans accountable. Trump is dominating the media partly to establish his authority but mainly to divert attention and provide cover to Republican leaders. 
minimize publicizing Trump, his image, his name, his tweets. Focus attention on substance, not sideshows. Trump's attacks on freedom, democracy, and the innocent matter more than his tweets. Focus on democracy and freedom. Our credo is that empathy, government should care about and for the public. Government should inform the public truthfully. The private depends on public resources. If you're not educated, you're not free. If you have no health care, you're not free. If you're impoverished, you lack opportunity. Every time you, you mention Trump's name, mention the fact that he's a minority president, minority Don. In other words, he was elected by a minority of the people. Don't lose hope, Lakoff says. This is a big one. Keep struggling. Okay? Keep, uh, keep loving. Keep struggling. George Lakoff. Uh, be positive. Frame all issues from a progressive moral viewpoint. Take the viewpoint of the public good, not corporate, corporate profiteering. Take the viewpoint of the impoverished and weak, not the rich and powerful. Take advantage of the preservation, not the destruction of nature. Okay. So these are all things that George Lakoff reads. He, he's got very interesting ideas about how Trump was elected and um, how we let it happen, actually. Right? I'm looking for one more thing here about George Lakoff. Okay, well, I want to talk a little bit about Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is one of the... Uh, last remaining U.S. colonies. And Puerto Rico is catching hell. It always has caught hell pretty much from its relation to the United States. As Porfirio Diaz, president of Mexico, said, oh my God, we're so far from God and so close to the, United, to the Americans. Puerto Rico was colonized in the 16th century by the Spanish. In 1898, it was ceded to the United States at the end of the Spanish-American War. Prior to that, the people of Puerto Rico had Spanish citizenship. After Puerto Rico was no longer part of Spain, the people effectively lacked citizenship from a sovereign country after it was ceded. They were neither Puerto Rican citizens, American citizens, nor Spanish citizens. So the U.S. Congress enacted the Foraker Act in 1900, establishing Puerto Rican citizenship for people born in Puerto Rico.
Puerto Rico's been issuing bonds, and it's um, the debt is mostly held by private corporations, by banks and hedge fund investors. Puerto Rico had begun to um, issue debt to balance its budget. The island also began to issue debt to repay older debt. It was not until Puerto Rico enlarged its outstanding debt to 71 billion. That's worth about 68% of Puerto Rico's gross domestic product. The grades were downgraded. The bonds were downgraded to junk status by the three bond rating agencies. Another case of uh, Puerto Rico being done in by corporate bankers. Classic case, classic case of how um, telling people to tighten their belts, cut out their social programs, dedicate more of more, more of greater balance of their income to debts. Um, it happened all over the world, except for example in Greece, where the same thing happened. The, the bonds are held by private parties. Let me get that right. Puerto Rico's debt. Okay, and lately they've had problems paying uh, medi- um, for medical services. Puerto Rico's budget expenses. So, Puerto Rico is tottering on the brink. The U.S. Congress has refused to do anything about bailing them out, probably in the, same, in the way that the European governments dealt with Greece, offering them more loans. Okay, so all this began, all these problems we're talking about began with capitalism, okay? Capitalism that sort of freezes us in these relationships so that we can't reach out to one another. And one of those relationships is early on in U.S. history, master to slave. You get foodie. You won't have to run through the jungle and scuff up your feet. You just sing about Jesus and drink wine all day. It's great to be in America. Happy as a man can be. 
Climb aboard, little warm, sail away with me. Sail away. Sail away. We will cross the mighty ocean into Charleston Bay. Sail away. Sail away. We will cross the mighty ocean into Charleston Bay. In America, every man is free to take care of his home and his family. as happy as a monkey in a monkey tree Y'all gonna be an American Sail away Sail away We will cross the mighty ocean into Charleston Bay Sail away Sail away, we will cross the mighty ocean into Charleston Bay.
when I say labor, I mean you. Let's run through that again. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, at the negotiating table, that is, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Have a good week, everybody. In solidarity. Insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm gonna guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby! There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. This is Tusser Matters with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. 
But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRack. <laughs> brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars. Howdy, people. This is mutinyradio.fm. This is the Flat Black Plastic Show. I have to hide 
my shame I don't wait till I'm sober Till I get drunk again I drink at home, I drink out I drink in cocktail bars Falling down Seeing stars, it suits me It suits me Falling apart in bars I like to suffer for my art Just one more before we part My oh my, we can't compete It's only heavy drinking that keeps us on our feet My oh my, we can't complain If it weren't for heavy drinking We'd never play Sweet Jane My, 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 my The days go by I never quite forget her But goodness how I try Believe me I believe you, man. Believe me yes, I do. Going astray In all the bars from here to Mandalay They never close, we never pay Don't like to think about how much I drink It's a habit that's out of control Oh yeah, hope I never get dry before I get old Trumbull Drinking that keeps us on our feet My oh my, we can't complain If it weren't for heavy drinking We'd never play Sweet Jane My, 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 the days go by I never quite forget her, but goodness how I try Believe me, I told you that I did. Believe me, yes I do Falling apart in bars I like to suffer for my art Just one more before we part